Amen. All right, we got all of that out of the way, and um, we're gonna we're gonna speak the word of God. The blessed word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to go to a book of First Corinthians and uh, read a portion, just one scripture out of the ninth chapter, the twenty-sixth verse. Pretty familiar place. Actually, I'm going to start in the 24th and I'll stop in the 26th. Do you not know that those running in a stadium indeed all run, but one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. But everyone striving in all things controls himself. Then those truly that they may receive a corruptible crown, but we an uncorruptible. In other words, he says that's just a fleshly thing. But we're not trying to receive a fleshly, we're trying to receive a spiritual thing. So the next verse, verse 26. So I run accordingly, is what he had just said. Not as uncertainly. So I fight, not as one that's beating the air. Have you ever seen shadow boxing? I know probably most of you ladies care nothing about that. But if you've watched guys that are in training for boxing, one of the things that they do clearly is shadow box. And... They just hone their skills. I'm not exactly sure how that fixes anything, but but they shadow box. Paul said, I don't shadow box. No. I fight. I fight. I want to talk about that this morning. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we ask you now, just minister to us, Lord. Your word. Oh, it's so powerful. I always get to glean all those things that you've, you're just speaking in my spirit when I study. But Lord, we just ask you now that you would just open it up to each one of us. Let it mean something to us. The Word of God means something to us. Touch our lives, Lord, we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. May you be glorified, Lord. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. I heard a man uh, open a message and I got thinking about it, and I, and, and I agree with him. It seemed kind of strange at first when he just opened up. He kind of went along these lines, not word for word, but he said it this way. The battle is over. The Lord has won. But then he didn't stop there. And, and his thought was, the Lord has commanded us to occupy. This is something that the United States has done for many, 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 many years. We've gone around the world. We have, we have fought battles, and then we came in and, and did occupation. I mean, this is not strange. The Roman world, where Paul comes from, he understands that clearly. The Jewish system is under the Roman system. 
The Roman system is occupying. They have a fortress right next to the temple, right built against the temple wall, and shows they have the power. They are occupying the country, even though uh, they have captured it. If you just capture a thing and you don't occupy it, it just slips away. And so they understood that. Military people understand that, is that there has to be a settling, there has to be this, this occupation of the country, of the territory that you have taken in order so it can remain in the state of freedom. And so I say this about the Lord. He has already won the battle. He is not fighting a battle. The Lord's not fighting a battle. Satan is no threat to the Lord. He just simply says, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, Satan has no choice. He just, he just has to obey. Sometimes preachers make this picture of, of, of God's fighting the, the evil, sort of, you know, the angels of God, the angels of the devil, and they're fighting. There, there's no fight. The battle has already been won, and no one or nothing can stand in his presence. There's no threat to him. He doesn't have to worry about a coup. He doesn't have to worry about a takeover because there is no threat in his kingdom. No one is going to come to another rule in his kingdom. Satan and his ilk have been thoroughly defeated. They're defeated. He acts like that he still has control. He acts like he's in power. He acts like he has domination over the church, but he does not. Because the Lord has become, Yeshua Jesus is preeminent in everything. I want the church to just say amen right there. He's preeminent in everything. There's nothing that he has not conquered in fact, I like the way Paul said it. He said he came down, he lived, he was crucified, he died, he rose again, he resurrected in ascension, in power, so that he might be preeminent in everything. And so because of that, his saints, his people, his, those of his kingdom, his children, have been promised a predetermined outcome. And that is victory. You're not going to lose. You cannot lose if you're with him. He doesn't know how to lose. <laughs> the all-time undefeated, undisputed champion of everything. He doesn't know how to lose. He's not a good loser. Now, I'm not a very good loser either. I can remember as a kid, and I'm not suggesting this for any of the young people here, but I'll tell you how you don't lose at Monopoly. When you get way behind and you have no more properties and no more hotels and anything, 
you just put your finger under the board and just flip it. And uh, my brother, he got tired of playing games with me because I, I didn't lose, see? Because you didn't remember where all the stuff was and you couldn't set it back up. So I didn't win, but I didn't lose. But we've been promised as the people of God, you're never going to have to turn the board over. You're not going to lose because there has been a predetermined outcome of every challenge in your life. And that's called victory in Jesus. Amen. Amen. But, but, you are going to have to fight. There's something in us that God puts in us innate just as people. And there's just a fighting. There's, there is, I mean, inside of us, some worse than others, and we can call it competition. We can call it, you know, self-preservation, whatever it is that you want to label it. But there is something inside of you that has to fight. If someone doesn't fight, they just succumb to everything. So there has to be... A fight, and the fight is on. The fight is on. Years ago, we talked to a girl that had a different approach to Christianity. She said that Christians need to be pacifist. That Christians shouldn't challenge things. You just go with the flow, and, and whatever happens, happens. And But I don't see that. In the men of God in Scripture. I never see them just, okay, uh, whatever, whatever comes to me, whatever happens, it just, uh, just, it's good. It's all good. I don't see that. What I see is fighters. I see fighters. Women. Women of God that are, that are fighters. They're not, they're not weak. They're not, they're not those that give up, those that surrender. But you fight. And you fight. Our text, Paul has a thing there. He says, metaphorically, he says, everybody runs in the stadium. You could go down and watch them. You could watch a football game, and they're running all over the place. Or a track meet, and they're running. And they all run to try to win, right? Why are they out there? They're not out there for exercise. They're out there to win. And so they all line up, and, and here they go. I like watching the track. I like the Olympic stuff and, and uh I like to see people excel, you know, they've trained, and, and they're good at it, man. They're Usain Bolt. I don't know what kind of a man he is, but I'll tell you what, he's a lightning bolt. I've never seen a human being run like that in my life. And I'm just, you know, amazed to watch this guy. Like I said, he may be a scum of the earth, I don't know, but, but he is fast. And Paul uses this metaphor, he said, Go down and watch a run, and here they're all running. They're all running, and what are they trying to do? They're trying to win a corruptible crown to say that they're the best, and they receive a reward and a crown and, and a gold medal and whatever it is. But, but Paul said, I also run, and you also run, but this race, he says in another place, it's to everyone that's running wins, not just one single person. So, we get out here and run as a church and pastor gets the gold medal and everybody else. No, everybody in the church gets the gold medal if they run. Now, there's some folks that don't want to run. But then Paul says, 
and I fight. I fight. Now, some of you that used to, one of the kids that we had in discipleship, he went back on the Lord, and then, you know, we saw him later, and he said, you know, I, I, I could, I want to serve the Lord. He said, but I like to go to the bars, and I like to fight. Well, that needs to be rechanneled. The Lord doesn't want to take the fight out of you. He wants to take the watcher fighting out of you. He wants to redirect what you're doing out there. And that's why I think God loves passionate people. He took Peter. Peter made so many mistakes. Peter opened his mouth and put his foot in his mouth time after time. But God saw the passion of this man. This is a man who will fight. This isn't a man who's going to lay down and quit. But he's going to fight, and he's going to fight. And, and Paul, God chooses Paul. Paul is a fighter. He's going church to church, door to door, and arresting people. But God just needs to change what he's fighting and how he's fighting. If you understand, say amen. So our text, Paul says, I fight. And at this point, that juncture, if you read the next verse, he said, I keep my body under. But he's a Christian man, but he has to fight his body. And I thought you come down and say a prayer and everything's good. You know, it's all just downhill from there. And Paul understood it the other way. He said, I have to fight my this body and keep it under lest I become a castaway while I'm preaching to others. I wish some preachers around this nation would reread that scripture. They don't understand that. They don't have to fight anymore. They've, they've got it. They're on cruise control, and they've got it in their church. They've got their money coming in. They've got their people there. Everything's good, and I don't need to fight anything. I'll just, just hit cruise control, and then they become a castaway to the gospel themselves. But Paul said, no, 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 I fight. Now, second, there's just some references. Let me give you another reference. Second Corinthians 10 chapter. The weapons of our the weapons of our warfare. Okay, let's just stop right there. If you're not going to battle, you don't need any weapons. The weapons of our warfare, they are not they're not carnal weapons. We don't need a sword. And there's several people here this morning that are wearing guns, and that's fine. You know, that's it's in this world we live in. Who knows? But the weapons of our spiritual life, the weapons of our world, they're not carnal, but they are mighty to God in the pulling down of strongholds. Now, wait a minute. You mean that I have to get involved in pulling down strongholds? That sounds like fighting to me. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, Jude said this. Contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That word contend, I wonder what that means. That means just, hey, whatever happens to the church happens. We don't care. Just God is overseeing everything, and so, you know, we just don't need to fight stuff. We just let it go because, no, Jude said, hey, Wait a minute. 
If you don't contend, guess what? It's going to get violated. All that needs to happen for evil to be successful is for good men not to fight it. That's all that needs to happen. And it comes in. And then Paul says to Timothy this, fight the good fight of faith. So there's this, this encouragement. And, and then again, he'll say to Timothy, store up, store up within you. The fire needs to be kindled within us. Because I believe that in this last day, it's going to take fighters to see it through. We're up against it. We're up against it politically. We are up against it in the church. And God is looking for some folks that are ready to get in a fight. Not everything's worth fighting over. And one of my advice to young people that get married, and my children know this, I've talked to them many times, choose your fights. Some things aren't worth fighting over, right? Not everything's worth fighting over, but I'm going to tell you, this gospel is worth fighting over. And so if you don't contend for that faith, then Timothy, if you don't fight the good fight of faith, and then Ephesians, the sixth chapter, of course, we know, I think somebody just read it the other day, put on the whole armor of God. Well, I'll tell you what we need armor for is so that we can lay down and relax and rest and be at peace. A guy planning to rest in the finished work needs no armor, no weapons, no nothing. All he needs is a pillow. Well, I'm just resting in the finished work. of didn't you just get you a pillow and, and lay there and just enjoy life as it slips by you. But for the rest of us, there's a verse also in Ephesians that says, Wake up, O you sleeper, arise, because the fight is on. The fight is on. I want to go back into the Old Testament. I think the greatest Old, Old Testament example of what I'm talking about this morning comes out of the book of Exodus. Let me just quickly go over this story. I won't hit all the points, but Moses and the, the people of Israel, you know that Moses now has, he's been on the backside of the desert. God shows to him the burning bush and speaks out of that bush, says, I want you to go down. I've heard the cry of my people. I've heard the cry of my people. And it's a lot of people. 430 years worth of reproducing children, and God blessed them. Some say there were a million. Some say two million, possibly up more than that, people that came out of Egypt. We remember the story of the Passover. This is the final, the plagues that, that, that God showed until finally Pharaoh said, I want you to go. Over the Passover, God slayed the eldest of older families. And so, anyway, they go out. They cross the Red Sea by God's intervening power. I just heard a song the other day that said, How do you think Moses felt when he saw the walls 
of the sea come down upon the enemy. I always think about how he felt when he saw it open up. But when he saw it close up, it meant even more. That enemy's dead. That enemy will not pursue them ever again. Thank God that when God closes the door on sin behind us. Amen? And so then they go through, and I'm not sure how long it took them to travel to the promised land, but the Lord has said, I'm taking you to a land of milk and honey. And, and of course, we know that represents uh, cattle and it represents fruitfulness, honey, the bees pollinating the trees. Um, when they finally get there, and the Lord says, choose you out 12 men to go over, and they did choose out 12 men. They were good men, one representing each tribe. And they went over into the promised land, and there they saw exactly what God said. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. There's houses there that you haven't built. There's vineyards there that you haven't planted. There are orchards there that all you need to do is take of the fruits. It's a luscious, wonderful, promised land of God for His people. He has prepared it for them. He prepared it through the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Amorites. And the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Canaanites do not want to lose what they've got. They're hearing that this massive group of people is coming. Coming through the desert to get what they've got. And they are not going to roll out the red carpet and welcome them in. These 12 men that went across, I believe they were all good men. But 10 out of the 12, the scripture says, gave a bad report. The report was this. Yes, it's like God said. It sure is. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's a wonderful place. They brought fruits with them back and they were amazed at the fruitfulness of this land. But they said, but there are giants there. There are walled cities there. There are strongholds there. And compared to them, we are nothing but grasshoppers in their eyes. Now, you have to understand this. The people, the million, two million people are neutral. They don't know. They sent the spies over. They don't know what's there. They're listening for a report. And when that report comes back, it's not a good report. The Lord said it's a bad report. In fact, the Lord said, I'm going to kill those ten men that gave that report. And he smote them with a plague. But there was two men, Joshua and Caleb. Caleb was ready to fight right then. Caleb, 40 years old, good man, a godly man, just like the rest of them, but he is ready to fight. And so as the story goes, they would not believe Joshua and Caleb. Caleb said, we are well able to go up and take the land. We're well able. But the people believed the bad report. They believed the ten. Moses goes before God, 
God said, that's it. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to destroy the whole bunch of them. I'm tired of it. They don't believe me. I brought them here. I delivered them. I have given them this land. He's already fought the battle. He's already won the victory. But yet they won't go in and possess the land. So he says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to kill them and wipe them out, and I'll raise up a nation under you. And Moses begins to plead before God. Oh, God, please don't do that. All of the nations around have already seen what's happened. They know we were delivered out of Egypt. They know that we are coming this way. And they're going to say that our God was not big enough for us to conquer the land that He gave us. And so God reconsidered. Isn't that amazing? The prayer of a righteous man avails much. God reconsiders and says, okay, I won't destroy all of them. I will destroy those 40 years and above. And those that believed the bad report, they'll die out in the wilderness and go tell the people. And Moses went to tell the people and, and they begin to cry. And said, we've sinned against God. We got here and we sinned against God. They wanted to raise another leader to bring them back to Egypt. And now they're weeping, but we'll go over, we'll go over. And Moses said, don't do it. If you go over, God's not with you. And they did anyway. They sent some part of their army over that next day into the promised land. And they were massacred. And God said, because you have not obeyed my voice. I brought you here and you have not obeyed my voice. Don't you know that you would have won the victory? I've already won the victory. It's yours. The promised land belongs to you. All you need to do is go over and possess it. But see, in order to possess it, you're going to have to fight. And so I think this principle is handed down through time. God never did give in and say to them, okay, wander 40 years in the desert, and when you come back, everybody will be dead in the promised land, and all you got to do is walk. No, he never did that. Same promise, same land, same giants, same walled cities, same armies that were there. And God says, now under Joshua, you're going to take the land. But he'd already conquered it. He won the battle already. All they needed to do was what the Lord said to do, and he was going to be with them. Can you say amen? You go over in the first city, in the first city that you get to, and there is just going to be an amazing victory, and there was. And then they get to Jericho, and they get to Jericho, and God said, I'm bringing the walls down, and you're going to have an amazing victory. And they lost no soldiers. They lost no one because God had already won the victory. All they needed to do was go over and possess what God had already assigned for them. I'm going to leave that there for a minute, and I'm going to talk about us. I'm going to say I thought. I thought we were just leaving Pharaoh. God heard our cry, and we're just getting out of under Pharaoh's hand. And 
under his administration. And I feel bad for the people that are there. Everything that's going to go bad, go down in this country, it's going to happen in California first. And, you know, I'm not just here to preach against the state, you know, but it's the governing of that state. Beautiful state. We love the state. There's a lot of beautiful people there, but the governing of that state, what's going to happen in America is going to happen there first. The wickedness is going to happen there first. The mandates are going to happen there first. Oh, yes. Yes, Gavin Newsom and his people are 100% aligned with everything evil that's coming down to America. There's no doubt about that. And I thought, well, maybe we're just getting out from under that system, the corruption of him and them, and, and we're getting into a land that flows with freedom and opportunity. And so uh, we came to the place, the journey, and we crossed through the Red Sea, whatever those other states were. You know, Mexi New Mexico must have been the Red Sea. Lots of trailers and vehicles up on blocks. And we, we got through there, and we got to here. Now, I'm just saying this just metaphorically because I, I have something to say about it. And so little did we know really what God was positioning this body for. Ronnie said something the other day that we talked about. I believe it 100%. Whether anybody aligns with what we're doing or doesn't, I believe we have the strength and the capability to do what God has positioned us to do. Can you say amen? When we got to this land and we spied it out, that, that would have been like the first couple of months that we were here with no church, no nothing. Begin to spy it out and we found out that there were fortified, high-walled churches and there were giants that were protecting the interest of those churches. Fortified Strong, very strong, ingrained, peripheral doctrines in those churches. With very strong men and women to guard and keep them, lest an outside influence should raise any question about what they're doing. That's what we found. And so we come back to the people now and we say to the people, we say, it is a land that's flowing with freedom and opportunity. Can you say amen? It certainly is. The other day, I appreciate this. Oh, I wish we, we tried to get Governor Stitt here to come to our uh, grand opening. And, and thank you, Gwen, for, for uh, at least trying. Uh, he was busy. He otherwise would have came. And, and it's not that he's just a governor. This is a man that loves God. He says the other day, he says, he said back in 2020, he said, we did not shut this, this state down. We did not do lockdowns. We did not do mandates. And we're not going to start it now. Thank you, Lord, for a land of freedom and opportunity. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But yet there are those who... 
many, many, many churches in this area right here with high walls, peripheral doctrines that are not central to Christ and are good people, but just teachings that are not central to Christ and separations because of those teachings, and, and that's what we walked into. But we understand something now. I was so beautiful here a couple of weeks ago. We went over and the brother said, Oh, the Lord just told me to speak to Echoes of Calvary. He doesn't know us from nothing. And he's a holiness brother. And he's preaching down to the house of prayer holiness. He said, I've got something for Echoes of Calvary. And he preached about beautiful for situation. And he said, the Lord told me that that your church, Echoes of Calvary, is beautiful for the situation that you're in. He didn't know what situation we're in. He didn't know we came to a land where, where we wanted the promise of God to be for everyone. We wanted to go to churches and fellowship and visit and see Jesus Christ in those churches. And that's what we wanted to do. But yet, there were high-walled cities and giants that said, No, you're not coming in. But this church is beautiful. For the situation that God has put us in. I'm just not taking any other answer. Can you say amen? And there are some Joshua's and some Caleb's in this church. Who are going to say no. God has positioned us. He has brought us to a place. I don't think we just wandered here. I think God put us here. I don't think this building and this property just happened. I believe God preordained that we should be in this place and be busy about the work of the kingdom of God in this country. I believe that. Thank God for the Joshua and Caleb's in this, in this house. Because the people need to be encouraged at times. We can always bring a bad report. We can always say, no, we need to, we, we, we need to go back. We need, this, is, this is too much. This isn't right. This, I don't feel good. We just need to get back in the comfort zone. And then Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 no. No, no, no. We are well able. Will you say that with me? We are well able. We don't need anything else. We don't need anybody else. Not that we don't want people. To, if God aligns them to this church, that's what we want. Yes, but we're not desperate to have other people to come because we know that we are beautiful for the situation that God has designed for Echoes of Calvary to be in. And here we are. And so we either get in the fight or we just leave things alone. Oops, we already got in a fight. And the word is getting out. But I'll tell you what else is happening. Decade-old walls are starting to fall down. The brother said, we haven't fellowship with another church in 11 years. 11 years. 11 years. And all of a sudden, Brother Denton just tears in his eyes. He told me in the back of the church, he said, you don't know how much this is a godsend to us. Well, it's a godsend to us, too, is that, yes, we're on the right course. Yes, this is what God is designing for us to do. And hearts, hearts are beginning to soften a little bit. And there's, there's another group where, 
hearts are beginning to soften and the, and the Lord's starting to change. But, but if we don't stay in the fight and we don't fight this thing, then, then we just go back, wander in the wilderness until we all die off and maybe the kids will come up and maybe they'll do something. I'm not willing to do that. I don't know how much I have left. And Caleb didn't know my, how much he had left. But he got back to the land of promise at 80 years old and there were giants on the hill that he owned that was allotted to him and his family giants lived there and he said I'm going to get them 80 years old the spirit of a fighter was still in him Joshua at 80 years old spirit of a fighter in him we were well able 40 years ago to do it but today we are going to do it by the power of the Lord. Can you say amen? I want to see some proper alignment. That Christ's priority becomes the headline in churches that we can influence. Can you say amen? Bring down those walls that that have, that have kept people out, that have kept any other influence out and, and say, hey, I'm not trying to bring Eccles and Calvary to anybody. I'm trying to bring Christ Jesus to the top because, listen, friend, he only has one church. He only has one kingdom. He doesn't have a bunch of people that hate each other. He just has a church that loves him. And so do we need to be patient in the fight? I, I believe so because... If all the people have seen is an existence in captivity, it might take a minute for them to realize there's freedom in serving Jesus Christ. It just might. We all know that. We all take that for granted because that's what we've been taught. That's what we've done for years and years and years is we've kept the Lord center. We've kept Him center in, in our church. We've kept Him center in our homes. We've kept Him center in our children. That's what we have done. That's how we've raised them. That's, a, that's what we have believed all these years. But people who have been under some captivity who cannot see that it might take them a minute or two. And they may feel like that we're imposters. They may feel like that they want to turn us away. There's some giants out there that said you're not coming in but I believe that the Lord has designed a thing and we are beautiful for this situation we're not going to be one of 50 churches in this area that hides ourselves back don't have any communication with the rest of the body of Christ but we're going forth in the name of the Lord he's already won the battle and what we're going to do is possess what God has given to us to possess and we're going to fight for it. Can you say amen? We're going to fight for it. We're going to fight for it. So look at the Lord really quick. The Lord himself. Why should he have to fight anything? Isaiah, the ninth chapter, and we love to quote in his name, shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, Father of Eternity. The Prince of Peace. We love quoting that. But the verse before that. He said it'll be like Midian. Every battle of the warrior. Is confused with noise. And garments rolled in blood. 
we don't know what hand-to-hand -hand combat was about. I mean, we, we all see pictures of World War II, right? Does anybody else like watching World War II stuff? Like watching Adolf Hitler and all that thing? I just, I'm interested in that, but I like to see him come down, you know. That's, amen. See all those proud Gestapo people, and now they're in front of a tribunal, and they're going to hang them. Oh, yeah. But every battle of the warrior, not the sleeper, not the take it easy guy, but that the battle of the warrior is confused with much noise. Now, if, if you go try and think about, let's just say having 200,000 men in a battle, which was very common in Bible days. They've got swords, they're chopping people, limbs are coming off, heads are coming off, legs are coming off, blood's flying. They're all wearing these heavy robe things that they wear. It's just a mess of blood, body parts, rolled up, noise, confusion. They're blowing trumpets, trying to regroup their people. Isaiah knew it. And he said, listen, I'm going to tell you about the child that's born, the son that's given. Let me, let me tell you about him. It's going to be like Midian, the battle in Midian. Carnage laying everywhere. And the Lord is going to be right in the middle of it, but they're going to call him a wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God. But he yet is going to be in the battle. I don't want to serve a sissy Lord. I'm sorry. I don't want to serve that dude, that long-haired dude with the lamb. I don't want to serve him. You've seen that picture. That's not my Lord. Here's a picture of my Lord. He's a warrior. When it, you has been used in the Bible. El Gabor means the champion. It would be like Goliath who was the champion of the Philistine armies. The El Gabor is the one who is the great champion. But he is leading the fight. He's not sitting back on a white horse somewhere. He's leading the battle. That's our Lord. And, and he is going to fight this thing. He comes to earth, but he comes to earth with a sword. He comes to earth with, with power to prevail over the enemy. The enemy has taken. The enemy has a possession that belongs to the Lord. And the Lord himself is going to. He's going to go into battle. And he is going to win the prize. And the prize is going to come to him. And that is his church. His people. His kingdom. It is going to be coming to him by, by battle. By battle. And he will battle. He will fight. But the fight... The fight is predetermined. The fight's already fixed. He's going to win. He can't lose. He is the Lord God, El Gabor. He is the one, the mighty warrior, the battler. He is going to win. No one is going to bring him down. I lay my life down. No one takes my life from me. But it's predetermined battle because in three days, I will raise it up again.
And even though it looks like he's down, it looks like he's lost, and it looks like the world is one, it looks like the Jews think that they have put him out of, 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 of any influence in their community. What they don't know is that three days later he's going to rise, and when he does, he's going to show greater power than he ever showed in the earth. He will ascend into the heaven. He will be the greatest of the great, the highest of the high. He will not lose. Can you say amen? But yet he had to possess. He had to possess that kingdom. He had to fight for what was his. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself. Becoming obedient until death. The death of the cross. Therefore, because of this, therefore also God exalted him to the highest rank and granted to him the name above every name so that in the name of Jesus every knee will, and this is a definite in, a outcome, a definite outcome, every knee will bow of the heavenly, the earthly, and under the earth, and every tongue will, definite outcome, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. What you see in the flesh is the Lord. What is in Him, the Father, and He cannot lose. His flesh says, is there another way to get this done? But in His spirit, He knows, I'm going to fight. I'm going to go on. But he triumphed gloriously over it. The scripture says, making an open show of the powers of darkness. How they had so little power. He made an open show of them and became victorious. Can the church say amen? Amen. You're listening really good. You're just not saying amen really good. So I want to talk about us for a minute. Is that okay? Can we talk about us? Can we get a little personal now about us? Because sometimes when we hear the message about the church, we're thinking, not part of the church, you know. But I don't really have to get too involved. I'm part of the worship. But I just don't really want to get involved this morning. You know, I'll leave that to him. He's good at it. I don't sing as good as somebody else. I don't. That has nothing to do with worshiping the Lord. I'm, I'm going to tell you a secret. He gave you the voice you have. <laughs> and let everything have breath. Why? Praise the Lord. So when we get a little personal about the fight, do I need to get in the fight? Or do I just let others fight it? Let pastor fight. You know, pastor will fight. I've been fighting. I've been fighting for a lot of years. But I'm going to continue the fight because... Without the fight, there is no victory. There's no possession. Well, I want to rest in the finished work of the Lord. Well, I'm resting my salvation there, but I'm not resting my possessions that God has promised to us as a church and as personal people, our families. I, I'm not going to quit. Say, well, you got a wayward child. Well, just, you know, let's just rest. No. No, you're going to bombard heaven. You're going to pray. You're going to do it. You're going to stay in the battle. Somebody say amen. Don't give up the battle. You stay in the battle. 
So God, keep on. Lord, every day that you're, you're, you wake up, you're in a battle. You're in a fight for your life. You're in a fight for your spiritual life. Are the giants in your life and the high-walled strongholds keeping you back from living in the promise of God for your life? It's a good question. Because when we really get personal, we realize, okay, I'm a part of the body, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this morning that you're not a part of the body if, you, if you're, you're fighting strongholds and giants. But the thing is, you can lay down and quit and let them keep the possession that God has promised to you. You're not a bad person. You're not, you know, I'm going to send you to hell. No, that, I don't think it's that. What I think it is, is that God has promised us an overcoming life, abundant life. Where do you think that abundant life is? Oh, that's money. No, that's not money. That's not possessions. That's not stuff. That's living every day, knowing your Lord, walking before him in the Christ life. And if there are giants in your life that's stopping that, that's, that's challenging that in your life, that I, you, you, there, there are cities there that you can't seem to conquer, you don't give up and you don't quit, but you keep on going on in the name of the Lord. You can sit back, be at rest, enjoy ease and comfort while living in spiritual wilderness of, dear, of fear and doubt. Or you can get in a fight. But this is what I like is the fight is predictable. It's fixed. I don't like a fixed fight. Anybody ever watch boxing? And sometimes you're going, I think that was fixed. Muhammad Ali. You know, hate to say that word Muhammad over our microphones. But anyway, Cassius Clay. He's trying to win his first championship. He does a, a faint punch that nobody knows if it even hit the guy or not. And the guy went down and out. And we're all standing back saying, I, I think that was fixed. Don't like a fixed fight. Except if you're the one that it's fixed for, then we like the fixed fight. I'm going to tell you something. He never said to you, you're not going to have to fight, but he did say to you that you are victorious in Jesus Christ. He never said to you that you wouldn't have to get up in the morning and strap on the spiritual boxing gloves sometimes. And I'm not saying every moment of your life, you know, but, but there's times that you're going to have to fight. There's some stuff coming against you. There's some giants that want to take you out of the possession that God has promised in your life. And you're strapping up the gloves and saying, no, listen, I'm going to fight this thing. I'm not going to let it stand and take over in my life. And I'm not going to shadow box. I know what I'm fighting. Every one of you knows what you're fighting. Paul knew what he was fighting. He said, I'm fighting this flesh. I'm not letting it win. Because any day the flesh wins over me, I lose out spiritually. So I keep my body under. I'm punching that dude right in the eye. Because he's not going to be the conqueror. I'm going to be the conqueror in Jesus Christ. And you are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Now, that's not about salvation. He's already won that battle. You don't have to fight for salvation. 
What you have to do is receive and live in him for salvation. But you're going to fight to get the possession of your life. To walk in liberty and freedom every single day. You're going to get up and put on the boxing gloves and you're going to go to fight. I know some of this church who quit fighting. I know some. And when they did, they lost. But I don't know any of this church who kept fighting that lost because the Lord's with you. Come on, say amen. You don't have to have all the knockout punches. You don't have to understand the hook and the, and, and the cross and the, all. You don't have to understand. What you have to understand is I'm staying in the fight, man. You're not pushing me out of here. I'm getting my possession. I'm getting, my, I'm getting what God has said is going to be for the normal Christian life. And that's where I'm living. And so the enemy better take notice. He's not going to keep my territory anymore. I don't care how tall he is, how strong he is. I'm going to fight because I will be victorious in Christ Jesus. He can't knock me out. He's not big enough to knock me out because I'm victorious in Christ. Oh, it's beautiful. God, help us to live into more abundant life. Into more abundant life. Let me close with this. Years ago, I don't know how many of you are old enough to know this. But years ago, there was like this slogan in sports, ABC Sports, I think it was. And they talked about the agony of defeat and the thrill of victory. So they would show, and as I remember it, a guy coming down the, the, the real steep jump, you know, and skiing and go off the side. And he's, agony of defeat is pretty rough. And then they'd show somebody winning and raising their hands and the thrill of victory. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You will never know the thrill of victory unless you fight the fight. You might feel the agony of defeat, but you won't know the thrill of victory. I'm going to tell you what. It's not me, but it's Christ in me. And when you win a victory, I'm tell you that it is. It's exciting to know that the Lord has delivered you one more time. Say amen. To know that you've been up against it. You're fighting a battle. Things are wrong. But you're not going to quit. You're going to keep on believing that Jesus has designed something for you personally, for your family, for your children, for those around you, for your job, Brother Chris. He designed something for you to be successful in the kingdom of God. And then we get over in the kingdom of God and we're not quitting and laying down the fight there because there's things that we're going to possess in the kingdom of God. God used this church. Let it start in the home. Let it come into the church so that we'll know how to fight and keep on fighting and keep on going and get the victory in Jesus' name. And to Him be all the glory and the honor and the praise in everything that's done. Amen. And amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you. God bless you. That's good preaching. In 18 seconds, it will be high noon for those of you that keep track of time.
Lord stirs up the fight. Anybody ready for a good fight? I told Kay the other day, I said, you know, we were having a little tough, you know. I told her I've been, you know, been, been on this dieting thing. I said, I'm about down to my fighting weight. And, uh, you know, I don't experience that sort of fighting, but, you know. Paul said, lay aside the weights. He said, somebody that joins the armed services, they have to put away other stuff, the domestic stuff. Keep their focus. And so God help us get ready to fight. Can you say amen? But pastor, we've gone to some places and they don't like us. Get ready to fight. We haven't been received well. Anakim doesn't want to lose the mountain. He's a giant. He's been living there and his children have been living there and their children's children have been living there and they don't want to quit. God said, I can bring the giant down. You see some giants in your life. You see some stuff going on in your home. She's maybe some personal stuff. He said, man, I'm so tired of fighting. He don't be weary in the fight. Take a new grip this morning. Can you say amen? Take a new grip this morning. Say, no, I, let me get a hold of that sword just a little bit tighter. Because I am going to win. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to win. Let's just open our heart to the Lord right now. Jesus, we preached what you gave to us this morning. And I believe it. I see it in your word. I see it of you. You are a fighter, Lord. You fight the powers of darkness. You fought false religion. Lord, you fought things that, that, that had hurt people for decades and years, Lord. You, you came against it, Lord, to bring life and to bring healing, to bring your name. Lord, the church, you, you have anointed your church to follow in your steps. Lord, we are here to bring life. We can only do what you let us do. But, Lord, there is possession that we need to take. Lord, we're going to take your name. We're going to take the power of the revelation that Jesus Christ is central in his church. He always has been, always will be. Lord, and that's what we're taking out of here, Lord. And I pray that it starts in our homes. Lord, the giants are there. That, that, that strong walled things are there, Lord. But in Jesus' name this morning, we come and we bring the power of Jesus. We don't, we don't fight this battle on our own, but we bring the power of the Lord into our home. We bring it into our children's life, our grandchildren's life. And now our great-grandchildren, Lord, we are going to fight the battle. Fight the good fight of faith. Because there's a crown of righteousness laid up for us, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus. May the church say amen.